With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 55 of Talk is Cheaper, New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Jordan Renan, James Scratch. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. We're back this week talking about OTAs and what they saw there. And uh, Jordan, how are you, man? Good, Joe. 55. Feeling old. We're, we're getting, you know, this is we're almost like a, a year's, a full year's worth if we did it every week. You're right. Yeah, we have. Actually, to- I'm sorry. We are. We would be over a year's worth. Though my math was off there. That, that's all right. Yeah, and I think we, you know, we've done it for over a year now, and we're at episode 55. Obviously, we took a couple of weeks off here and there, but uh, we're here with you this week. And before we get into OTAs and what you guys saw, and we'll take some questions uh, from listeners on Twitter. We have to start with a little uh, of what I noticed as I watched you guys cover OTAs. So first. I want to get into the the whole Snapchat thing because I noticed both of you guys are on Snapchat, so I want to uh, talk about what you're doing there because I think it's it's a cool way to to follow along with the Giants and, and with you guys this summer. But first, Jordan, I have to ask you because it became a thing on social media. I saw it. How's the new hair gel? The hair gel is rock, man. This stuff is this stuff is glue. I mean, they call it spiking or styling spiking glue, but it really is glue. I'm on day five without having touched or washed my hair. Like you know, obviously. People are, seem to be amazed like that you could shower without washing your hair. It doesn't seem like such a novel concept to me. I mean, am I, am I, am I way off base here that it's that, that ridiculous to shower? Without, that, that's it's high, that hard to believe that I could shower without washing my hair? I, I've never really done it, but I, I don't really have that never? hair. You never? Yeah, I don't have – You've yeah, never, never showered? I've in my life, so. But I, I understand it. As You've never as, showered without washing your hair, though? I don't I, think so. But as much as I, I don't get it from a I've never done you know it perspective – it's bad for your scalp, Joe, to, do, to wash your hair every day. Well, see, maybe – well, this is why you – I mean, you're the guy that we have to go to for these kind of tips. I mean, you're, you're <laughs> the one that knows. But I'll say I understand it. I, I've never done it, but I understand it. I mean, if you put that, your, that, that stuff in, you have the hair gel in and it works, why would you take it out in a day? I get that. Well, I mean, usually, I mean, this is what's so, so amazing about this stuff. Usually, you know, you wake up in the morning and your pillow is filled with, like, white flakes. Not being dandruff, but being just from the gel. The gel usually comes out. But this stuff, I'm telling you, this stuff just doesn't come out. I mean, I've, I've been outside. I've run around. I've done three-mile runs. And this stuff is still just hasn't, it hasn't budged. Unbelievable. So is this the is this the no new go to especially when you get to, I know training camp's always a uh, I mean you guys don't have much time between all the work being outside trying to get a couple of hours rest here and there so is is this did you find something good here Jordan I don't know my wife hates it I gotta <laughs> I gotta judge the importance of uh, how important the 
that this stuff is actually glue or whether my wife talks to me. I have to judge the importance. You know, it's like a sliding scale there. You take, you got to weigh the pros and the cons before you make a final decision. Yeah, that I'll means- let you know. I'll let you know. Training camp is a is a time of year where you need to wear a hat. So I don't know. I don't want the last thing we need to have happen as well as hot days, August, and have Jordan not be able to get his hat off his head because you know it's some sort of chemical bonding agent or whatever. Well, James, I do actually a visor, so it's I still do. Ah, I still I right. still gel it up usually, gel it back a little bit, and then visor it. So it's see, I go floppy. It's hats, possible so. I could go both. Yeah. Outside yeah. of my the wife, Giants' my progress, wife told me never to wear the flabby hat. I look like an idiot. So I remember that. I, I your advice on that one. I think outside the Giants' <laughs> progress, we're gonna have to follow this saga throughout the at the summer here. All right. So outside of football, we the football. <laughs> but one, one more thing. This is this ties yeah. into the football. Now, outside of uh, Jordan's uh, hair and, and hair products, I did notice both you guys, I believe, uh, have started to use Snapchat. Now, I don't have it, but I I I'm should download it. But I I've, I've been on it Good. before. And We're I, learning, Joe. We're learning. It's, okay. this, this is a learning experience for sure. But I was able to, to look at a little bit, even though I don't have it myself on my phone, at what you guys were doing. So how is it so far? And, and more importantly, do Giants fans like what they're getting out at, of at you guys on Snapchat? We'll go to James first because I saw you had it too. I, I do have it. I mean, as to, if they like what they're getting, I have no idea because unlike Twitter, and if I'm wrong, people, email me, tweet me. It doesn't seem like there's any way to get any feedback. You just kind of put stuff out there into the ether. I guess people look at it. I don't know. You can see how many people viewed it. But, yeah, there is, I've not, I have not discovered any feedback uh, avenue with the actual app. So, yeah, I'm with James. Uh, the way I view it, and I've been thinking about it, and I've been trying a couple different things, and I know people want – want us to just Snapchat all these plays. That's just not realistic and not in a good idea for us in our job. Like, if Odell Beckham makes a ridiculous catch, we don't want it to be go viral on Snapchat and not put it up on our website and get it to people that way, you know. So, you know, to me, the most valuable thing is you could kind of see, I could give you an inside look of what it's like to be a beat writer, where we're going, what we're doing, and give you little sneak peeks of, of you know, what's going on with the Giants that maybe you would I wouldn't be able to provide you on other platforms. So I, I think for me, that's what I'm seeing is going to be the most useful way to use Snapchat going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, it seems like a cool way. I know a lot of, a lot of different beat writers are, are doing it for different sports in different ways. So uh, I think everyone is looking forward to seeing some more of that from you guys as we get into the summer. All right, so let's people get into- like the people real quick, Joe. People like the behind the scenes type thing. So I think that's kind of a, a, a good way to like show it to them in, in real short snippets. Cuz exactly. these teams don't these teams don't want you videotaping everything, you know. So at least if it's in a little snippet, I think you're all right. Right. And that's right. People like the behind the scenes stuff. That's why we started the podcast with the hair glue and Snapchat cuz that's <laughs> that's behind the scenes of this podcast. All right, let's in get depth in- inside baseball. Right. Inside Inside talk is cheap right here yeah, yeah, on yeah. talk is cheap. All right, so OTAs uh, have gone down. You guys were there. You wrote a lot about it. So let's let's kind of just talk about what you saw and, and really what came out of this. And let's start with who impressed you because I think that's what everyone always wonders. A full offseason, new players come in, other players leave. And, you know, it could be a guy that you saw all of last year and maybe they've improved or it could be someone brand new. So we'll start with Jordan, go to James. Who caught your eye? Who impressed in OTAs? 
Well, two guys that stood out to me, and I've talked about this so far, were Darian Thompson. Looks like a guy. Look, he, look. It, this. Let me preface this all by saying, OTAs, mini camps—they're essentially passing camps. You know, they're running around in shorts and a helmet, and there's really minimal contact. There's no real hitting. Uh, the linemen. I eliminate lineman evaluations altogether because I don't understand how you could possibly realistically evaluate a lineman without hitting in pads at all. So, yeah, you're talking about whether a guy's in shape or not? Fine, you could do that. So, to me, the two guys that stood out to me, they'll go one on each side of the ball. Darian Thompson, rookie safety, third-round pick. Looks like he's a, a... has the free safety skills, the kind of playmaker that you'd like. They'd exactly what the Giants thought they were getting. A guy who I believe it was 19 interceptions. Is that right, James? Do you know? Uh, at, uh, something at like that. May have been the Mountain 20, West 21. Conference record. I think it was either 19 or 17. He, he, bet, he beat Eric Weddle's record. So you saw some of that. You saw why the, you know, that wasn't just an accident that those kind of things happened. He, though he was around the ball making plays here in the, the OTAs that we saw. Granted, we saw three of what will be ten OTA practices, so it's only a little snippet again. And on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Lacoste, every day, catching passes, 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 uh, left and right, working with the first team plenty. Clearly, he's in that, at least in my opinion, he's in that you know mix for, okay, he's going to have a legitimate chance to start here if he has a good summer, especially if he could prove that he's the best blocker of the bunch, which I think has a good chance to be true. That's fascinating because I remember last year his name came up a little bit early on, and, and now uh, we're back. To injured, that got injured, right? Injured in training camp, and it kind of derailed him. He actually had a, they couldn't come back to the Giants. I believe it's the week after week eight after they yeah. had an injury settlement with him. Yeah, I feel like it was OTAs. I mean, I, I can almost feel like it was a year yeah. ago around this time we had a, a very similar conversation. Uh, about him and, and about his potential role with the Giants. All right, so he's definitely one to keep an eye on moving forward. James, how about you? For you, who impressed and, and who kind of caught your eye in OTAs? You know, one of the guys who's caught my eyes is Darian Thompson's college teammate, Dante Dion. Um, you know, you look at the roster, he's listed as 5'9", 158 pounds. So not a very big guy. But, you know, he had an interception the other day off Ryan Nassib, you know, a Air quotes, pick six in a practice setting. He, you know, he had a nice play on the ball. The second OTA we were at, um, he's a guy who I, I think a lot of fans are kind of intrigued by and are rooting for. Um, kind of an underdog role, and you know, I think there's going to be a spot. And you know, obviously, you have DRC and Apple and Trevin Wade and, and Janoris Jenkins, but they're probably going to carry five or six cornerbacks. So he's a guy who has a chance to maybe come out of nowhere, sort of, and make the team. And on offense, it reminds me a lot of Charles James before you switch over to offense, yeah. James. You weren't really here for Charles James, but boisterous, no. loud guy who was just a playmaker type cornerback. He didn't, you know, he stuck around for a little bit with the Giants, but then he sort of moved on. But he's proven that he could, he could play a little bit in this league. So uh, the Giants would be happy if they could get that out of Dion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's, you know, as I said, the size kind of, you kind of scratch your head about the size, but, you know, who knows? Maybe he can keep making plays on offense. A lot of the receivers have impressed me. You know, obviously, I wrote about Jeremy Davis. You know, he's had some moments as he tries to have a, a big second year. And some of the undrafted guys, you know, uh, Darius Powell, uh, Roger Lewis, who Jordan wrote about, K.J. May even. So I think it's going to be a really intriguing summer in terms of the 
bottom half of the receiving core because there's a lot of guys there who have some ability, but they're only probably, you figure, going to take one or two, assuming that you know Cruz of healthy, Beckham, Dwayne Harris, and Sterling Shepard all are locks to make the roster. Yeah, we didn't even mention Shepard in that group, but it's pretty yeah. clear he could play. I mean, he was making plays all over the field, so you got you got to be happy with what you've seen from uh, you know some of those draft picks early. Now, the one guy, excuse me, you didn't mention there. At least I, I don't think you did. With the rookies, and you mentioned Shepard, who we, we know is probably going to have a big impact. And, and Jordan, you mentioned Darian Thompson. Um, how about Eli Apple? Everyone's always very interested when it's a first round pick. It's weird, I guess, with the Giants this year because. There's that expectation out there that the second round pick and maybe even the third rounder will have more of an impact this year just because of the way the roster's set up. And Eli Apple's future maybe won't be right now, maybe not in the present in terms of having a big role in the Giants. But what did you see out of him and, and where is he lining up right now? Uh, granted, we only saw, as I, I got to keep repeating, we only saw three of those OTAs, three of the ten. But I didn't really see Eli Apple on the, in the slot very often. Uh, seems to be still learning the outside. What they were doing the last couple times we were there was Apple was rotating in sort of a three-man rotation on the outside with Dominique Rogers cromartie uh, Jenkins looked like he was in there most of the time. But, you know, he was sort of like, okay, here's the third outside corner for right now. And I guess... If you think about it, the Giants are likely going to need, I mean, uh, another cornerback on the outside. But the slot is a position, yeah, of definite concern. So you wonder. Uh, but Trevin Wade was the guy that I saw in there almost all the time with the first team. So um, with Eli Apple, you didn't, it, it wasn't terrible. You didn't see anything that stood out that he was getting picked on. And you didn't see anything spectacular. So I think on a scale of what you're expecting from a rookie cornerback, that's pretty good. Especially when you're talking about a passing camp where there's really minimal minimal contact. It's not like receivers are allowed to get hit. So the fact that he wasn't abused is a good thing. The fact that you didn't hear his name called very often is probably a positive. So fairly fairly positive reviews for me for Eli Apple. Let's go to JPP because I, I think that every fan, I know, Jordan, you said to start this, that with the outline minutes, it's very hard in these to, to evaluate. So, I mean, this isn't full contact. We understand that. Everyone listening understands that, you know, JPP can only show you so much. Any defensive lineman or offensive lineman can only show you, you know, whatever they can. Uh, but just in terms of the way he looked, the kind of shape he was in, uh, the, the just in and the spirits he's in. I mean, we're in a, almost a full year removed now from what happened to him last summer. Uh, and obviously the Giants are hoping that he's going to be more of himself than he could be last year. James, what did you think of JPP and, and your thoughts on him You know, now after all of last year? I mean, he, he, he looks to be in, in very good shape. Um, I think you know he spoke to us on Mon- you know, Monday, uh, the last OTA. I mean, he is very obviously ready to basically just put all this in his past and move forward. But I think one of the issues is that until we get to the regular season and we get to contact and we see him play with the hand and and the special glove after the offseason surgery, we really can't put the story to rest because no one really knows if what he's going to be. You know, he, he had flashes last season and he had clear limitations with the club. Now the club's off. Now his hand is for want of a better turn. You know, it's a it's a finished product in terms of what it's going to be in terms of the surgery and everything. So it's kind of, for me, a big wait and see game. And I think it's one of the major questions facing this team is what kind of player is Jason Pierre-Paul? 
Is he basically going to be the same guy we saw last year? Is he going to be better? Is he not going to be as effective? So, I mean, it's just a broad range, I think, of, of what we're going to get from him this season. And he, I know everybody wants to forget about the hand issue and, and kind of move forward from it, but until we actually have contact, it's still going to be something we have to talk about. Yeah, we have to see how he, how he's able to, how much he's actually able to use the hand. Look, the realistic view on JPP is that he's never going to be the same player as he was before. I mean, he has however many fingers you want to say on that hand. That's not a fully functional right hand of what it was before. So, you know, he's working with three fingers, whatever. You know, I'd say only two are probably fully functional as they were before. So. Yeah, uh, you know, so you're you're talking about a guy who's going to have to work around the limitations and learn how to play around those and do the best that he can with what he has, and he could still be a pretty good player. But I think to expect JPP to be a Pro Bowl or All Pro, a, a 16 and a half sack guy like he was in 2011, is uh, awfully unrealistic. So, got to got to set the bar at a realistic point. I think when you're talking about JPP. I think that's fair and right. And he he used to, I mean, obviously his career has set the bar very high in the past, and now uh, we set it a little bit lower. Now, we started this conversation a few minutes ago by talking about Matt Lacoste. Jordan, you brought him up, and, and you said you wouldn't be surprised if he plays his way into the mix there uh, you know, with the tight ends and right near the top of the depth chart. How about the the bar there for Giants tight ends and what he's, you know, he has to reach? Like, what does he have to do to really get in that mix? Is it just play the way you saw him at OTA, stay healthy, and you think he'll have a shot at it. How realistic is it that, you know, two months from now, we're going to be doing a podcast and really talking about him right near the top of the depth chart for the Giants at tight end? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen in this camp or the spring that he can catch the ball and get open and, and moves pretty well for a pretty big guy. If he, listen, when you're talking about starting tight end, Daniel Fells actually was starting a bunch earlier last year because he was the better blocker. So if Matt Lacoste can prove that he's the better blocker than Will Ty and Larry Donnell, who, by the way, aren't very good blockers in the first place, then there's a very good chance that he starts as long as he, even if he's just proves to be an average pass catcher this summer. So the blocking part, I think, is the key. And that's what we need to see from Lacoste going forward. And we got to see that from Will Ty and Larry Donnell, too. I mean, can they block? Maybe Will Ty got significantly better at blocking. Obviously, we've talked about this before. We can't judge linemen, and we can't judge tight ends either when it comes to blocking because they're not, they're, you know, they're really just working on technique stuff now. Yeah, and it's it done co- a hell of a, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's done a hell of a job blocking the bag that the other guy is holding, but <laughs> yeah. beyond that. It's more of like a matter of being in the right place at the right time at this time and just showing, okay, I'm in the, I got to the right spot. I picked up the right guy. Not, okay, now the other part of the second part of it is, okay, now at first you were in the right place. Now you have to prove that you could withstand the contact and actually do a successful block against your opponent. So that part of it still unknown. We'll find out. But I think Lacoste, what he told me when I spoke to him was that, he thought he did a pretty good job blocking last year in the two games that he played, and that's sort of what the Giants, one of the things the Giants relate to him. So that is a positive for him for sure. James, what are your thoughts on, on, on Lacoste and, and really what he could do here? I mean, do you agree? Do you think he could he could work his way into the mix at the beginning of the summer? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Jordan's right. It's They need a blocking presence. Um, you know, Donnell and Ty 
did not block very well last year. Uh, Lacoste is a guy who, you know, the Giants liked his blocking last year, and he's, you know, a guy who's really focused on the offseason. You know, Jarrell Adams, a six-round pick, I, I really think that he's one of those guys that I, he might not play any really offensive snaps this year. Um, he seems like he's, like, as they said, kind of a development player. For me, I think a key with the tight ends is does Ben McAdoo's secret weapon, Will Johnson, does he s- stay working with the tight ends as he is right now? Or does he eventually transition to fullback? I think that's one of the big keys because he's also a guy who's a proven blocker and could maybe make it so, you know, give Lacasse a run for that blocking lane in the offense at tight end. That's a good point. He's definitely in that mix. All right. Go ahead, James. I was just going to say he's working with the tight ends right now, but no one wants to actually articulate what the vision for Will Johnson is, except that they have a vision. He's also been doing works with the, as, a, as a fullback as well, so like yeah. fullback, H-back. So it's really a multifaceted role. The question is how much are they going to want to use him at tight end or, do, or are they just testing right now to, think if he could, to see if he could fill that role, yeah. which probably, probably, probably is the case. It's what the spring's for. Right, it's what this time of year is for. And uh, I don't think any conversation about any Giants practice or uh, organized team activity or anything would be complete if we didn't hit on uh, areas of the team that people are always worried about, that fans are always worried about. And let's, obviously, because the offensive line we talked about, you can't evaluate now. Let's leave that aside. Um, so let's throw two out there. And have your thoughts changed at all? Do you feel better, worse? Uh, let's go to linebacker. I think, James, you had the piece last week about the Giants' linebacker room, and mm-hmm. it's always a conversation that fans want to have because uh, I think part of it just harkens back to the good old days when the Giants were great yeah. for a good period of time in the 80s. They had great linebackers. They don't anymore. But this group, uh, it's its own group, right? A new middle linebacker in there. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the linebacker group that you saw them on the field together, and uh, do you feel better about them, the same? As you, have your thoughts changed from you know kind of when it all came together throughout the offseason? I, I think that it's a very veteran group, you know, it's, with the exception of the rookie, uh, B.J. Goodson, there's a, a bunch of guys who Also been, impressed, to be honest with you. Yeah. Seems pretty athletic for a, a, a thumper. So, it's a group that has experience, it's it's proven, you know, like last year, you know, a guy like Juan Iunga was kind of starting on opening day with, with as no NFL experience. Um, that sort of situation is not going to happen this year. They seem like they're going to have either Goodson or someone with five, six, seven years of experience at every position. But, I mean, they got to stay healthy. You know, I think Keenan Robinson is really a, a major key. If he can stay healthy and either beat out Jasper Brinkley for the job in the middle or maybe win the weak side job, you know, him and Devon Kennard staying healthy, I think they've got a chance to be much improved at linebacker. But if those guys have health issues – then you start to get to the point where there's not a lot of depth and, and some of the guys you have on the field didn't have the best experiences when they were on the field last year. So tentatively, I think it's it's an improved group on paper, but everybody's got to stay healthy and then they've got to translate the optimism they have now to once we get to training camp and, into, and then into the season. I will say this about the linebacker position. What, what concerns me is... There is definitely, like you said, a lot of guys, there's some veterans, there's a lot of guys that are NFL players that can play. I'm still concerned. I need a, I need a linebacker that can play every down 
that can be out there, be your middle linebacker, and be able to stay out there on passing downs as well. I need one of those guys to, to sort of step up and be the guy at middle linebacker for me not to be concerned. And, and I, you see them you know, working in sub packages, and none of those middle linebackers are three down guys as of now. So that concerns me still. I'm, I'm still worried about middle linebacker and the linebacker position. What about the safety position, specifically free safety? I mean, Jordan, you mentioned Darian Thompson impressed you before. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining this is still going to be a, a summer-long competition, and it's going to be uh, one that we probably talk about all the way up through when they set the, you know, the final depth chart, I guess. But do you, after seeing Darian Thompson impress, I know it's early, but do you feel better about the group in general, Jordan? Well, the way I look at it, and I, I said this in a video the other day, I think right now you're probably going to have four better options for that position. Uh, at least right now you do. I mean, last year they had some options too, but they all got injured. But you have four better options right now than would start a few week one as sort of a deep cover free safety when Brandon Merriweather was starting. Because you got Darian Thompson, and then you got the three injured guys from last year, Bennett Jackson, Nat Burhey. Oh, you know, Mike, Michael Thompson or Michael Thompson. I'm not really sure. I was James. Do we have a consensus on how his name is supposed to be pronounced? Michael Thompson. Michael. Mike yes. Right. Michael. So those. The way I view it, they they have three guys that are better options than last year. Uh, four guys. Sorry. So to me, they're in much better shape there. I think that they can get by there. Those are mostly. Uh, I mean, Natafer is the one who may be more of an in-the-box player, but the other three guys are supposed to be cover guys. I think one of them, you'll definitely be able to get enough out of them to be improved at that position. James, your thoughts on the safety? Similar type of a feeling right now with the free safety position, which is, you know, it's been a problem for the Giants for, for some time now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jordan's right. You know, they have some young guys there that they feel good about. Darren Thompson's off to a very good start. It to his career and what we've seen in OTAs, but they have these. They got they have to one get someone through healthy. Hopefully, all of them through healthy, and then two, you know, someone's got to get out there and produce. I think you could potentially see sort of a them use multiple guys and, and kind of mix and match on situations. But I think the Giants should feel pretty good about where they stand, all things considered, because. When they didn't get a veteran in uh, free agency, I think there was a major cause for concern. But they seem to have their faith has seemed to pay off, and the decision to draft Thompson is looking good so far. So I think that they can be cautiously optimistic, but they got to prove it on the field. And until they do, it's it's always going to be a concern. All right, guys, we have to talk about the quarterbacks. And I know Jordan, you wrote about um, about Nassib uh, over the week. I think it was over the weekend or late last week, and uh, interesting. I mean, he's been with the team now for years. He's been Eli's backup, and I always still wonder what they have in him. Hopefully, and then the Giants said this when they drafted him, they don't have to find out because Eli just keeps playing and playing well. Uh, but how about the quarterbacks? Now, Ben McAdoo moving on from head coach and moving on from offense coordinator to head coach. Still the same system, obviously. It's his offense. Um, but what are the, how do the quarterbacks look? We know Eli, but how about Nassib in particular what you wrote about? Yeah, I mean, I've been fairly impressed. I mean, Look, when uh, James, you weren't here at the time, uh-huh. but two two years ago it was my first full season on the team, so my first training camp. They were a disaster at this time. Granted, they were uh, installing the offense, but it was a mess. I mean, it was 
two, three, four interceptions seemingly every day between the two of them. And they just, you know, you, now you, they just go about their business, ho-hum. You don't, even, you don't even notice the quarterbacks most of the time. They, sure, this is football, so there's an interception here or there once in a while. Uh, I think uh, Eli and Nassibich threw one the other day. Uh, we've talked plenty about the, you know Darian Thompson getting one and, and, and Dion getting one also. So, yeah, but uh, in general, they look pretty good. I mean, Nassim, the difference that I see is that he seems to be a little bit more accurate. And that's a key because that's what I – when I saw him the first year, even probably points of last year, I was never really sure. I mean, I don't know if he could still be a, a real difference-making starter in a league. I'm not, I, I still have my doubts that that – that is his end game, but I think from what I've seen is he, he it doesn't appear to be something that pop pops out at you anymore as a huge weak point. You don't see him throwing the ball over receivers' heads uh, regularly. You see him making quicker decisions, which I think is is more a product of knowing the system and knowing what to expect. But the accuracy is the one thing that really sticks out to me as improved, and the reason why I think he should. He'll at some point receive an opportunity to start in this league to see what exactly they have. Like he might be, you know, uh, a guy who's a starter, but a you know a Ryan Fitzpatrick bottom end starter, or a, or a, I don't know who else is in that kind of range kind of guy. You know, a Josh McCown kind of guy, like a fringe guy who's good enough to fill in for a little bit or be a, a stopgap starter for a year or two. But you know that that that's an upgrade from what I probably thought two years ago. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, I, I'm with you, Jordan. I, I didn't think that much of him then. I mean, you saw him more, but just in general from, from what I knew about him. But, yeah, if he becomes that, uh, that's valuable. I mean, every team, you know, the Giants are lucky. But for the most part, most teams usually need to use a backup quarterback here or there. Uh, and so for NASA and for the Giants thing. You can right, make a good some- living. You can make a good living that way, you know. I mean, so there's a lot of money in that. Look at Ryan Fitzpatrick's looking for right now. He's definitely a guy who I would be very surprised if after this season – someone doesn't sign him. And even if it's a situation where it's a team like the, the Cleveland Browns, where let's say RG3 doesn't play very well this year, and they say, okay, we're going to bring Ryan Nassib in, and we're going we're gonna to draft a quarterback, and we like the Cody Kessler, and we're just going to have everybody compete in training camp. I mean, I definitely think that's kind of the worst-case scenario for, for Nassib, is that he gets to go into some team that doesn't have a quarterback and get to compete for it. Um, you know, or he goes to a place like New Orleans, maybe, and you know they say, well, you know, if, you know, we'll give him a shot if we don't think Drew Brees is going to be around here much longer. So I definitely think he'll get the opportunity to try to win a starting job someplace. But I, I agree with Jordan. I don't, I don't look at him and say, you know, that guy's going to take a team to the quarter to the to the playoffs in two years. The question really is, what's his value? I mean, that's. It, that's the interesting question. What's his value? I know people say to him, well, why, should the, why wouldn't would the Giants look to trade him? Well, two things right now. One, the Giants don't really have another option as their backup quarterback. And number two is Ryan Nassim doesn't really have value to another team because he's going to be a free agent. The and fact he's thrown that, 10 passes in his career. Yeah, the fact that he's thrown 10 passes doesn't have a proven track record. And if a team wants him, can get him next year as a free agent, why are they going to trade something for him yeah. now? Like, people, oh, can you trade Ryan Nassib for a third rounder? No, I don't think anyone's going to trade for a third rounder for Ryan Nassib unless they have a quarterback injury and they become really desperate. So it would have to be. And and then what do the Giants do? Who's their backup quarterback? I was going to say, I think the Ryan Nassib 
trade concept train left the station when, you know, if if they had, I'm not to go back to last season, but if they had let NASA play the second half of that last game against the Eagles and he'd gone out and thrown three touchdown passes, then, you know, so maybe not, it'd be like a Matt Flynn situation, although not a free agent is a, a tradable asset where someone says, yeah, he, you know, I'll take him because there's not any quarterbacks in this league when you get down to the bottom. But he, he hasn't really done much. No one's going to trade for a guy on preseason games. So, Well, James, let's be honest. Tom Coughlin did the Giants and Ryan Nassib a disservice. Yes. They had – how many meaningless games have they had over the last three years? Oh, I mean – I mean, they had – they did not play a meaningful December game in 2013 or 14. Not a single game. And last year they had a couple – you know, two games, Minnesota and uh, Philadelphia, which meant pretty much absolutely nothing – and Ryan Nassib did not get significant playing time at all until Eli Manning broke his ankle in the pouring rain against Washington yeah. in Week 17 of 2014. So and Eli was horrible against the Vikings last year. First of all, there's no reason to have Eli Manning playing the full Week 17. Nassib should at least got, got a half of that game last year. Uh, probably the same late in the season in 14. Fine, 13, he's still a young guy. That's fine. But 14, and, I mean, uh, 14 and 15... There's no reason for him, for the Giants not to take a look. First of all, for the Giants' future to see what you have. And then for NASA personally, it would have been good to see. You know, it could have helped him out if he played well in, in a game or two late in the season. You know, there's been guys before that have shown just a little bit of flashes. You talk about uh, Matt Schaub is the guy that kind of pops into my yeah. head. You know, so I, I don't think Tom Coughlin really... I mean, it was very short-sighted. Eli, there was no reason for Eli Manning to play in some of those games, especially in the second half. I thought everything about last year from the Eagles firing Chip Kelly during the week, so it was like they were at a new coach and almost a new offense on the fly to uh, the feeling in the building. Everything about that game to me felt like a preseason game, except no one told Tom Coughlin. Tom was determined to go out on his own terms that day, uh, which this is right, but I, I think Jordan's right. I think he did him a disservice. You know, if you play Nassib in the second half, one, he might catch fire and you might win the game. And two, you have a chance to maybe get someone interested in him after what they saw in an actual NFL. I mean, not a tremendously competitive NFL game, but not a preseason game. All right, guys, let's jump to Twitter. A couple questions here uh, and then we'll wrap up episode 55. All right. uh, Play me in the NHL wants to know, assuming Cruz is healthy, who will the wide receivers be when it comes down to Davis? Lewis and Miles White. Jordan, and then we'll go to James. Let's see. So we have Shepard, Cruz, uh, Odell Beckham, and Dwayne Harris, huh? They're in. So we're getting two more. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I think Jeremy Davis has the edge to me. Roger Lewis is a guy who, unless he blows up, would be a good practice squad kind of guy. So I think maybe both those guys would, would, would hang on. They like Miles White. He shows an ability to get open. Uh, he's a Green Bay guy. I think McAdoo knew him from there, or, or at least uh, maybe he didn't know him from there. But he, he came from there. He has that pedigree, knows the system, seems to be able to get open. Uh, but Roger Lewis is a guy who played in an offense that was very simple, who probably needs some time to grow. So maybe he would be a practice squad guy. So I'd say the veterans at this point have a significant advantage. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Dean Davis, by the way, who's in his second year. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll echo what Jordan said. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of you know intriguing receivers, undrafted guys, but they might reach a real bottleneck because you have those. If Cruz is healthy. You have those four guys who are going to make the team. Davis is a draft pick that they like. They like Miles White. Lewis is a guy with talent, but as Jordan said, he might be a developmental guy. Guy like Darius Pose there. And is he um, a special teams guy? Which of these yes. guys can be special teams guys? I think is huge, and yeah. that's where Jeremy Davis might have an edge over them. One quick thing I'll throw in about the wide receivers because we get asked about this pretty much every day. Um, we haven't seen a whole heck of a lot out of Anthony Dobla yet. He's uh, the, the French wide receiver. He's very raw. Jordan, I think you'll agree with me on this. <laughs> Definitely. Best case um, scenario is practice, practice. squad. Of but I just one thing I will throw out there. I was looking at the collective bargaining agreement. It is my understanding that teams are allowed to have an extra practice squatter. So last year there were 10 guys allowed on the practice squad. and The Giants could have 11 if Dable is designated as an international player. And from what I understand, if you're designated as an international practice squatter, the team has you for a year at, under that designation, and you're not allowed to be signed to a 53-man roster by any other team in the league. So I do Protection think that you'll to keep Dable and Giants blue. Yes. <laughs> so I do think that you'll – I think it's very likely that Dable will make it to the final round of cuts before the 53-man roster. And assuming he doesn't blow up in the preseason, I think the Giants will be able to waive him at that point get him through waivers, and potentially stash him away on the practice squad for a year and try to develop him. So I don't think he'll be on the roster this year, but I also don't think that the Anthony Dable experiment is going to end after this training camp. Well, unless he just can't play at all. Yeah, unless that. But Which, I mean, let's not be completely naive, is a, is a, is a possibility. Yes, but all things being equal, my guess is that they're probably trying to aim to get him that designation and to, to kind of stash him away for a year and see what they have. All right, let's wrap up with this one from PJ. Uh, and I think this one's kind of an open-ended one, probably different for each player, but interested to see what you guys think. Uh, he wants to know, does success for a player in OTAs really mean anything? Is there usually a carryover to training camp? It's probably, you know, person by person and uh, individual by individual, but what do you think about that? Could that help? You know, could that could we see a carryover with some of these guys that did impress you, Jordan? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, I'm trying to think who stood out at OTAs last year. Um, I, I think a guy that has stood out in the past had been Charles James, and the Giants weren't exactly, you know, all over Charles James, but the, you know, he ended up being a decent player. Uh, so hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see who has impressed. I have on the list Cooper Taylor from last year, Ruben Randall, and Orleans Darkwell. So you know, hit or miss. Uh, some guys, yes. I mean, Orleans Darkwell, yeah, turned out to be much better than people expected. He was a nobody, nobody at that point. Uh, Randall, that's a little different because he had a. He ended up having a knee problem late in, late in camp, and that kind of set him back. So it kind of ruined his season, and, and Taylor obviously uh, has never been able to stay healthy as well. So it's hard to really judge. But, yeah, Orleans Darkwood was a guy, so I think, I think it can carry over. You could tell 
when it, especially when it comes to undrafted rookies, I think some guys just seem to you could tell right away. It doesn't mean it's not an end all be all with guys with any rookies that if they've come in right away, but sometimes you could just see guys right away or NFL players. I just feel that way with Sterling Shepard. I look at him and I'm like, that guy's gonna be a good NFL player. He just he just he you know he can go up, make catches, he just looks like he belongs. So Darian Thompson looks pretty good too. I wouldn't go as far with him because there's he has a more physical part of the job that's still uh, to be determined. Got to play the run. So, not sure about that one. But for Sterling Shepard, I feel pretty confident saying, you know, he just – you could just tell right away that this guy's going to be a solid NFL player at least. I think, you know, a guy like Sterling Shepard, Jordan's right, he's going to be a really good NFL player. So, he's going to impress no matter what the situation is. But – I definitely think he can ca- – I mean, I guess it can carry over in a sense that I was talking to a, a player the other day who said that you know his goal was just to kind of stack good days on top of good days in OTAs. And, and he even, even he said, like, look, it's just OTAs. Nothing can, is really going to happen here. So, um, you know, it's, it's not really football activity. But I think guys can have positive developments in OTAs, and that can carry over. But – they're just running around in their underwear, as uh, Ben McAdoo once said. I'm looking at the 2014 version of some OTAs. Uh, my buddy Connor Orr uh, did some of uh, some of these. It's uh, so guys that stood out: Will Hill, uh, Chris Snee, coming off injury at the time. Uh, so those are some of the things. Nat Burhey had a nice practice. Adrian Robinson did as well. So. Yeah, there's obviously some hit and uh, some big misses here. So it's, it really, I think, depends on the individual. And you can't make a, a sweeping observation on whether it, you know a guy plays well at OTAs and it's going to mean that it's going to carry over to the summer and the season. Right. It's just something to keep an eye on. So we will do that uh, and we'll continue to do it as we move forward into the summer. And obviously when we do get to, to training camp late July, early August. Uh, guys, this was another fun one. Uh, we'll get together soon and, and talk some more Giants football. Jordan, as always, thanks for doing this, and good luck with uh, all the hair products and the Snapchat. I will give you a little you know, scoop here at the end. The hair experiment, it will end tomorrow. It, it, it will end after five days because I have to go to my daughter's uh, preschool graduation and actually have to you know, probably dress up a little bit right now. I'm in the shorts and the tank top. So uh, the hair will get washed tonight. And uh, maybe we will reconvene this experiment at a further date. Although I don't think anybody that hangs out with me regularly wants me to do that. <laughs> and we'll, and we'll come back and we'll get a full report on this. James, as always, uh, thanks for doing this. And, uh, and we'll keep following along with Snapchat. You got it, Joe. Thank you. And pe- people, if you, if you think anything about it, just tell me. Because I have no idea how to see what you say on Snapchat. Uh, You're under say- 30, James. You're under 30. You shouldn't be like that yet. Come on. You're young. This you're is young. true. Yeah, James, you start aging yourself. Pretend you're older, so it's, it's funnier that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 55 of Talk is Cheap. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode. Be sure to follow us on iTunes, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, anywhere you want to listen, you can listen to Talk is Cheap. Uh, and leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps the show grow and helps us bring more uh, episodes and content to you guys during the season. Thanks for listening. Preferably five. All five. Five.